Back in the 1970s, I wrote that doctors could no longer call themselves members of a profession since they took their orders from an industry, the drug industry. The medical establishment sold out decades ago, and over the years I've been staggered by the way the British Medical Association and the General Medical Council have betrayed patients, and the way doctors have repeatedly allowed themselves to be tricked, cajoled and bought. Most now live in a cesspit of corruption where their professional lives are controlled by the most evil industry in the world. Most cases of type 2 diabetes could be treated with diet rather than pills. Heart disease is treated with drugs or surgery when it's been proved beyond doubt that it can be treated successfully with diet, relaxation and exercise. Doctors have repeatedly misdiagnosed dementia and they've prescribed huge quantities of dangerously addictive benzodiazepine drugs. All that was bad enough, but things have got consistently worse during the last year and a half. Every day seems to bring new examples of professional lunacy. Unbelievably and unforgivably, doctors writing in the British Medical Journal have called for the medical profession to do less screening of patients and to cut back on prescribing treatment, open quotes, to help combat climate change. Close quotes. Doctors have called for global warming concerns to be put above patients' interests. Let, let's get this straight. The medical establishment wants to cut back on diagnosing cancer early in order to save Big Ben from disappearing under 100 foot waves a week on Wednesday. This may be childish, childish pseudo scientific gibberish, but it's also terrifyingly wicked. If you can detect contempt in my voice, it's not because I can't hide it, it's because I want it to be there. The climate emergency is the true health crisis of our time, is the message from the medical establishment who appear to have had their brains removed and replaced with those of 12-year-old girls. The medical establishment who believe this should all be certified insane and put into a coma to protect the public from their deranged utterings. There's not one jot of real scientific evidence for the myth of climate change. It was planned decades ago. Those who talk about flooding and disappearing cities are hysterical and deluded. Powerful irresponsible media forces such as the BBC suppress debate about the climate in just the way that they've suppressed debate about Covid. The hysteria is so acute that brain-dead protesters in the UK, protected by the police, happily stop ambulances. People aren't threatened by climate change or Covid-19. People are threatened by corruption, too big for most people to see. They're threatened by self-serving, cowardly, virtue-signalling, breast-beating doctors whose willful, staggering ignorance will result in hundreds of thousands of early and, and unnecessary deaths. The nonsense from the BMA is pouring out these days. For example, the BMA now says that Britain needs another 60,000 doctors. Or maybe it's just England that needs another 60,000. Or Milton Keynes. It's lunacy anyway. 
Britain doesn't need any more doctors. Dare I suggest that the NHS needs the GPs on the payroll to do what they're paid for, which is to see patients. The Department of Health in the UK has just reported that the average GP is now working a three-day week and earning over £100,000 a year. Doctors protest that they're overworked and that they're struggling to deal with a continuing crisis. But they're working three days a week. It's no wonder patients are more likely to win the lottery than get an appointment with their doctor. When I was a GP, my personal list of patients varied between 2,000 and 2,500. That was considered pretty normal. We worked nights and weekends and coped quite well. Today, the medical profession is complicit in the government's genocidal attack on the people it's paid to serve. Here's an example of the way the government has deliberately helped kill people. When early on in the fake COVID-19 pandemic, it was announced that the government wanted retired doctors to help out while younger doctors hid underneath their desks, I wrote to the General Medical Council to offer my name. I knew COVID wasn't the it was simply the rebranded flu, and I said so, and I wasn't impressed by the scare stories. But I thought that with hospital departments closing and GPs as rare a sight as swallows in December, I could perhaps help a little with sore throats, wonky knees and so on. I thought with all GPs hiding, I could perhaps be useful. Like thousands of other retired doctors, I automatically relinquished my licence to practice when I hung up my stethoscope for the last time. The GMC does not now allow retired doctors to remain licensed, thereby permanently depriving the country of thousands of capable and experienced physicians. In reply to my note, I received a message from the GMC in which they refused to discuss anything with me because the email address from which I wrote was not the same as the email address which I had half a millennium ago when I was last registered and licensed. I long ago forgot the email address I had then, but it felt good to know that some things don't change and that the GMC is as bureaucratic and obstructive as ever. The General Medical Council then told me that they wanted to have my passport scanned and sent to them by email. We don't have a working scanner, the last three all died, and anyway there's not a chance in hell of my sending a copy of my passport to anyone by email. I then discovered that the government had arbitrarily decided that I'm far too old to be of any practical use. Today I read that I wasn't the only one to find the GMC intolerably obstructive. The GMC granted temporary emergency licences to around 8,200 GPs who had retired or been off the register for other reasons. However, the GMC only gave the temporary licences to GPs who'd been off the register for less than five years, so I was outside their approved timescale. However, the vast majority of the doctors given temporary licences hadn't done any medical work at all. Red tape and bureaucracy prevented them from doing anything useful. And many additional retired doctors gave up the quest to be re-licensed after finding that they had to provide 21 pieces of evidence, including evidence of prevent radicalization training, whatever that is. The process for returning to work was described as challenging and impenetrable. It seems that the government really didn't want those extra doctors to be available. And yet, bizarrely, this week the government claimed the country 
desperately needs more doctors. If the government really wants to increase the number of GPs, it should simply invite retired GPs to emerge from retirement and perhaps work part-time. After all, many existing younger GPs, particularly female ones, only work two or three days a week, possibly to reduce their tax liabilities. That's not sexist, by the way, it's reality. And that's part of the reason for the shortage. Older GPs working half a week, half a week each would improve the GP service considerably and reduce the pressure on hospital accident and emergency services. But this won't happen. The government and the NHS will recruit a few foreign doctors, many of whom won't be able to speak colloquial English, English and that'll be it. Those foreign doctors will be paid a fortune. Retired doctors will remain retired and unwanted. And it seems to me clear that here is yet more proof that Covid has been used as a cover for a programme of genocide. If the British government had wanted more doctors, it could have easily asked 10 to 15,000 fit and able retired GPs to come out of retirement. Most doctors only retired, often in their 50s, because they couldn't bear the GMC's hated bureaucratic revalidation programme, which requires doctors to spend much of their time filling in yet more forms. Some doctors spend 40% of their time just doing that, form filling. The fact is that practicing medicine is like riding a bike. It wouldn't take long to get back into the groove and most doctors asked would have happily complied to help rescue the NHS from the mess of its own making. It's difficult to avoid the thought, by the way, that the GMC's absurd revalidation program was deliberately introduced to force older, experienced, independent doctors out of the medical profession, thereby making it easier to destroy the NHS to kill vast numbers of elderly and sick patients and to push through the COVID-19 hoax and the COVID jab fraud. The only conclusion I can come to is that the government really didn't want more experienced doctors available before or after the COVID fraud. Why? Maybe the government realised that older, more experienced doctors not bound by a, an NHS contract without mortgages to pay and without future careers to worry about, might be more likely to question the whole Covid hoax. It's noteworthy that most of the few doctors objecting to the fraud have been older and more experienced physicians. Several thousand doctors screaming about the Covid lies and the Covid jab fraud wouldn't fit the plan, would they? And having thousands of experienced doctors around would have made it difficult for the government and the NHS to murder thousands of old people in care homes, nursing homes and hospitals. Young doctors, millennials, are, on the whole, I'm afraid, far too naive and self-serving to question authority. They don't understand the meaning of cognitive dissonance. You need to be angry, very angry, and to share information about the fraud with everyone you know. It's becoming clear just how ruthless the government was in ensuring that the genocide went ahead without hindrance. Here's more evidence. For example, it's now known that the private hospitals in the UK were paid billions of pounds to close their doors to private patients. The story was that they were being closed so that they could help support the overworked NHS during the pandemic. But the figures show that the NHS was never overworked. Indeed, parts of it, including intensive care units, were quieter 
than usual. In order to ensure that the private health hospitals didn't interfere with the genocide, a total of 7,956 private beds were rented at £400 million a month. Taxpayers had a bill running into billions. But for 39% of the days paid for, those beds were completely empty. A total of 187 private hospitals were rented together with the staff, but they treated an average of just eight Covid patients a day. The vast majority of beds remained empty. This was clearly part of the genocidal plan. If private hospitals had remained open, umpteen thousands of patients would have been able to obtain treatment outside the NHS, or what's left of the NHS, and patients with cancer and heart disease could have been treated, and thousands of lives would have been saved. But saving lives wasn't the government's plan. Daily, for 18 months now, I've waited for doctors to wake up to reality. I am ashamed of my former profession. Just remember this, I give you facts which are easily checked. The medical establishment, the advisors and the media doctors hand out opinions and propaganda. Next there's this, yet another official health spokesman is reported to have said now that Covid is possibly no more dangerous than the flu. 18 months late, but they got there, which is nice. And yet, for the last 18 months, Covid has apparently been the sole reason for the existence of hospitals and every other part of the health service. All other diseases, including cancer and heart disease, have taken second place to Covid, the rebranded flu. Once a patient's diagnosed as having Covid, whether they have symptoms or not, they put on a special Covid ward. All decisions about their treatment then revolve around the assumption that they have Covid and are a threat to everyone. Other treatments are denied or suspended. The staff have been indoctrinated into believing in the sanctity of the PCR test, proven to be a pointless exercise, and into believing that Covid can be spread asymptomatically when the evidence shows that's not true. That masks are vital when the scientific evidence proves they do more harm than good. Medical staff have, for the first time in history, put themselves and their needs above their patients. Medical staff have, for a year and a half, practiced militarized medicine, medicine by numbers. Covid has been all that matters. And now things are about to get worse. Doctors and nurses are going to practice a new brand of medicine defined and downgraded by the global warming pseudoscience. But maybe we can stop that and bounce some sense into them. After all, it looks as if we're winning the battle to save the children. Indeed, it looks as if many children have more sense than adults. The uptake in children for the experimental jab is very poor in the UK. And the government's now resorting to threats to try to force children into complying. I don't think it'll work. They thought that giving 12-year-olds the right to decide whether they had the jab would mean that more children were jabbed. But it didn't work. Oh, and finally, one more thing. Readers of my website will know that a week or two ago, I challenged Dr. Hilary Jones, a British TV doctor and supporter of the COVID fraud and the experimental COVID jab, to a live TB debate about COVID and COVID jabs. You won't be surprised to hear 
that there has been no response. Please make your own loud chicken sounds. Thank you for watching An Old Man in a Chair. Please subscribe to my channel on Brand YouTube. Thanks as always to Mohammed Butt and Brand YouTube for providing the platform. For the record, this channel has not been monetized. None of my videos ever has been. And there are no ads, no sponsors and no requests for funds on my videos or websites. Don't forget to watch my friend Dr. Colin Barron's amazing videos. Always entertaining, always pertinent. Read the lightpaper.co.uk and visit iconic.com. Also visit awakenedpages.co.uk and astandinthepark.org. All the links are available in the description box below. Please visit my websites, vernoncolman.org and vernoncolman.com. Vernoncolman.com is more old-fashioned but contains hundreds of articles on animal issues and other stuff in addition to health. You can find free books on both sites. Finally, although it may feel like it at times, please remember that you're not alone. More and more people are waking up and once they're awake, they don't go back to sleep. If we're going to win this war, we have to fight with passion, with determination and with the facts. Distrust the government, avoid mass media and fight the lies. And thank you for watching An Old Man in a Chair.